Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. All right, today we kind of have a special fun episode. It's the third one that you and I have done together, Robin. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, but the extra special part is that you're sitting next to me here in real life. Yep. Um, we're in my kitchen here in Denver. So, if the dog makes a noise in the background or the cat comes over and meows, just heads up. Uh, we're not in the studio, so the the audio might be a little bit different. But to get to the point, um, we are here recording a special Podlet episode. We're still calling it Podlet. We didn't come up with anything better. It, it's 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 a little pod. It's, it's stuck. A short pod. It's stuck. Yes. Um, and, uh, today we're going to talk about six steps to designing a fashion line that sells. Um, you guys know who I am, but let's have Robin reintroduce herself. She is this amazing woman who, um, reached out to me a long time ago and we just kind of became online friends. Um, that sounds weird, but that's a real thing these days. And, um, uh, she had all sorts of cool insights into the podcast, and so we started chatting, and here we are doing some co-hosting some episodes mm-hmm. together. So, Robin, please tell everybody a little bit more about you, you and who you are. Yeah, thank you, Heidi. Um, I'm Robin Spady. I'm first and foremost a hand weaver. I'm also the uh, editor of Hellcraft Magazine, but I have a lengthy history in designing and making um, uh, garments, largely wearable art, um, for customers and getting my work out there. And Heidi and I uh, love chatting and talking about our ideas and hope that we can share some of our experiences with people listening uh, to make your life easier and more fun. Yeah, I love it. Um, so Robin and I particularly love kind of nerding out on some of the business stuff in the fashion world, um, as well as design. We did just go to the Dior Media Preview today at the Denver Art Museum, so mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, but we're going to talk through six steps to designing a fashion line that sells, and we're going to talk through some of the things that you can do in the early stages of thinking about designing your line, or you know, even if you've already gotten started, I think you can apply some of these things um, to help you be more successful with your products and to help ensure that the product that you create actually sells. Um, so let's start out with uh, number one. Why don't you start? Number one, don't try to design for everybody. If you try to Design for everybody, you're really designing for nobody. And this is where getting very specific, getting almost very niche um, is something that can benefit because you may be the only player in a small market, but you may not want a big market. Um, and Heidi, that one of the things that Heidi and I've talked about for the past year are some of these episodes that she's had that have embedded these great business lessons and um, there's a couple that I think really validate the not trying to design for everybody. Um, and the, the first one, I, it was episode 17, um, which is Anna Livermore. And one of the things that she designed um, was a, a dirndl. It was one of her customers. One of her customers. Yeah. That, that they wanted that. And you wouldn't think that there was a big market for dirndls. Not everyone's running around dressed as a Bavarian barmaid. Um, but they found that there was a very specific niche that was kind of untapped. 
Yeah. And one of the things I love about this is that, you know, sometimes that super small niche market is they want something very specific and they want it made just for them and there's nobody else doing it. Right. You know, there's a lot of people that are making everyday clothes for everyday people, Mm -hmm. but if you really dig down into a tiny little niche, chances are they're not being served, they're not getting the product they need or want, and there's opportunity to, to give them that product. And as you mentioned, you need such a small audience. You don't. You need one little grain of sand in the whole beach. You don't need tens of hundreds of thousands of customers. Mm-hmm. A few hundred or even a few thousand customers, and think about how big the world is, how many people there are in the U.S. or even in a given city or state, is not that many people, but it can be more than enough to sustain a small brand. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the opportunity, what was it, a little over a year ago, of working with a woman that... Her business is designing and making um, handmade kilts. Wow. And um, she makes about 75 a year, which may not sound like very many, but these are things, these are custom made, they're handmade, so it's almost like the haute couture of kilts um, for very specific reasons, for people that are uh, competitive uh, dancers, um, for people that they want that very special kilt that they can wear for forever and you wouldn't think there'd be a market for that but there is yeah very very cool um the other episode that was a great example of you know not trying to design for everybody was um sarah coronado uh of blooms purvey that was episode 31 Um, and we'll put links to all these episodes in the show notes for you guys if you want to go back and listen to them but she created one tiny product literally tiny um that served a very specific audience they were um these uh, these underwear that, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but they kind of snap on and snap off <laughs> at the side seam. Um, and it was for active women on the go. Like if you need to change your underwear, you know, her specific example was getting her period in the middle of teaching yoga class. And she's like, I just need to go change my underwear right now. And I don't have time to like take my pants off. Um, and they're packable inside themselves. And it's a very specific audience for a very specific customer and she's doing great she raised eighty seven thousand dollars on kickstarter Mm -hmm. and very successful very successful um so you don't have to create something that everybody wants sometimes it's not sometimes i think most of the time it's a lot easier for you and it's a lot easier for you to to design and create the product and it's a lot easier to sell if you're designing a very specific thing for a very specific person and for a product like that a lot of women have been in that situation where it's oops and are going to want something at least once, just yep. in case, yep. just in case. Yeah. So lesson one or step one, don't try to design for everybody, um, which leads us into step two, which... If you're maybe... going to define a niche, <laughs> then if you're not designing for everybody, then how do you know what to, to design? And yeah. So number two is a way to get started on that. Yeah, and which is... Go ahead. Which is solve, solve perhaps your own fashion problem. If you have a challenge that you're faced with um, on a regular basis, you may not be the only person that's experiencing that. So what are you doing that, um, that might turn into a line? Um, and I think one of the, the best examples of this was episode 39, where um, exclusively Kristen uh, designed... Uh, what was it a blouse yeah well she she was very large busted mm-hmm. um but she wasn't plus sized, and right. she said everything that i have to 
buy that's large enough to fit my bust winds up being really baggy everywhere else. And so she started making blouses for herself. This is literally how it started. She goes, I can't find the shirts to fit. So I'm making blouses that, that, you know, fit my large bust, but then also fit my waist. Mm -hmm. Um, and she literally, that was her problem. So she said, well, I'm just going to solve it and started making a few samples just to wear herself started wearing them, started conversations with people who are like, wow, cute blouse, it really fits mm-hmm. you well. Um, and then it went from there. Just She started looking for people who were also having that same problem and she talked to them and got feedback. And it really started from that specific problem. Um, the one thing I do want to point out on this is I don't think it's as simple as just blindly solving your problem and then going into production because you solved your own problem. Like there's still stages and we're going to kind of go through some of those in the next steps. But mm-hmm. like, that's where you can start with the ideas. Like, take a look at the fashion challenges you have in your life. You know, you've had a very specific fashion challenge. I think you should yeah. talk about it. Yeah, mother of the groom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the Heidi and I were talking recently about, you know, one of my. Everybody has a fashion challenge. So even if you don't feel you may, you may have friends that have something that give you an idea. Uh, for me, the fashion challenge I've had, and a number of my friends, is we've been mothers of the bride or the groom. And I know that sounds maybe too niche, but if people are designing bridal gowns, you've probably got at least twice as many mothers out there. And even though I've been married once and I have one wedding gown, I've been mother of the groom three times. So, you know, going out and looking at, you know, I wanna be fashionable. We don't want to outdress the bride, obviously, but I want something that I'm willing to spend money on that I can wear later. And even if it's part of the outfit, even if I'm looking at separates and I get a really fabulous jacket that I can wear with an ankle-length silk chiffon skirt, I could wear it later with a a line knee-length skirt or throw it on with a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and wear it to a gallery opening. But you know, those are those are fashion challenges everybody's got them and sometimes starting with your own or starting with one of somebody you know well and trying to solve it but the first thing might be make something for yourself and just start wearing it and get feedback on it yeah i love that just like Kristen did i love that Mm -hmm. um sometimes it's not just fashion for fashion's sake Mm -hmm. you really want to think about how is this helping solve my problem or solve someone else's problem or fill a niche or a void that's not being filled. Um, I mean, one thing that, that um, I think I mentioned to you earlier today was I'm starting to see yoga pants with the, the cell pockets. phone pocket. Yeah. I'm like, do people really need a cell phone during yoga? And you pointed out to me, well, but people are wearing these for more than just yoga. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, access to a cell phone. And I then set thought about recently when I got off a flight, I really wish my slacks had a pocket of some kind on the side that I could easily grab my cell phone. Yeah. Um, I wear a lot of my yoga leggings hiking. Mm-hmm. And when I'm hiking, I like to listen to podcasts. So I've yeah. got my phone and my leg, legging, my pant legging, bleh, legging pocket, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that thing is that yeah. holds the phone, um, and my earbuds in. And it's right there and it's very accessible. So yeah, I think you know, thinking about how you can solve some of these problems. And again, if you don't have them, you know, you can talk to other people that do. Um, On to number three, maybe you don't have a problem and you want to design something else. And so you, you still don't have to go into it blindly designing something that you'd want to design just fashion for fashion's sake. But um, going to stores where you 
potentially would want to sell your product or you know maybe you're not going to sell in retail maybe you're going to go direct to consumer but still going into stores where your product could potentially be sold maybe where your your ideal customer is hanging out and or shopping and doing some research in advance and this is a step that that I would suggest you do before you even make anything mm-hmm. um, and go in and browse the stores and start having some conversations with the salespeople. The salespeople are the ones who are talking directly to the customers day in and day out and ask them, you know, what are people loving? What what are people looking for mm-hmm. that they can't find? What um, what are what are you guys selling out of? And and these simple dialogues mm-hmm. to get feedback as to like what is the customer in here who's actually spending money mm-hmm. looking for? what can they not find and what are they all you know buying up very quickly and running uh jumping off the racks yeah talking to sales clerks could be a wealth of information as far as you know we have people coming in they're asking for this uh, but you know they're not buying because it it, it wasn't the right color or something mm-hmm. the other thing and i was I mentioning this to heidi earlier today look at what's on the clearance rack because that might be an indication of what's not selling and so you might have a great idea for a design but it could be why is this selling gee they're in uh, muted colors or you know the fabric it the item just doesn't sell well while it's on a hanger it just kind of collapses on itself and so go into stores and just look at what they're doing find out what is going well what are people not able to find uh, and look at the clearance racks because that's often showing you what is not selling. Yeah, so steer clear of some of that stuff. Um, and so then this leads really nicely into the next one, number four, which is go to not just going to where your customer might be shopping, but then going to where your customer's hanging out. Um, and so an amazing example of this was in episode 70 with Aaron Luo of Cara. And they make um, these really phenomenal luxury bags that transition from gym to work and vice versa. And they did extensive uh, research really pretty much by just hanging out where their customer was hanging out. And so they thought, okay, if we want to make these high-end bags, our customer is hanging out at high-end gym. So they partnered Mm -hmm. up with like Equinox, Um, And you wouldn't even have to partner up with someone. It's a matter of going to these places and then starting conversations with with the potential customer, you know, asking her, how's your current bag working for you? You know, what do you love about it? What do you hate about it? What do you wish was different? Um, And just starting that dialogue to understand where is the current bag that she has or the current bags are in the market either serving her really well or not serving her really well. Um, in this specific example, it happens to be female, but just going to where your customer's hanging out and starting these dialogues and these mm-hmm. conversations is gonna bring you a wealth of information to figure out, okay, what can I create that will actually sell, that will actually you know, help this customer mm-hmm. with their need? Yeah, you might find out you know, um, your customer or potential customer is going to work and they, they're, the clothes that they're finding available aren't suitable. Um, or they need something. There's you know the whole day into evening. You know people go. I need something. We've got a uh, holiday party coming up, um, or I need to be able to go here. I need something that packs well. If you're talking to people that travel a lot, they want things that pa- that that won't wrinkle. Um, and so those are things that they may have phenomenal insight and coming back with 
maybe it's not your challenge, but it could be the fashion challenge that they're facing. Yeah, yeah. And nobody's asked them about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Some, it's really just a matter of like having conversations and asking them about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, once you've kind of g g done your, this, some of this research and maybe you've made some samples for yourself and you're really talking to the customer or the potential customer and you're learning what they like, what they don't like, where they're, you know, there's gaps in, the, in what they can find, um, leads into number five, which is where you start making some samples uh, for your customer to test. And as Robin put it earlier, and test, and test, and, and test. test some more. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this was a really fun episode uh, 44 with Tim Smith from Vormi. Um, do you remember what they did? This is a test. No. <laughs> I remember I was, no, it's not a test. <laughs> I'm passing the mic, <laughs> not a test. I'm happy to talk about it, but I felt like I talked a lot of the last one. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Um, so they're, they're a phenomenal company. They're located actually kind of in, in my backyard, um, a little bit outside of my backyard in Colorado. Um, but they, they provide product, they provide clothing for um, sort of, the mountaineering person that goes out backpacking for you know a few days at a time and um, really needs something that can stand the test of time to be worn multiple days in a row and get sweat in it and all this other stuff. And so they do a lot of testing with their customer. They make the samples, they give it to their customer, they have the customer wear it and get tons of feedback they iterate they make another sample they get more feedback and so by the time you know they've done all this testing which yes it does take a little bit extra time and it up front it it costs a little bit more money to like make multiple samples and test them but the end product then turns out 10 times better than if they just went straight to market the customer is that much more excited about it loves it that much more and you're going to significantly also reduce the likelihood of excessive inventory that won't sell. Yes. And this is something that on a number of podcasts that people talk about trying to do their first line and ending up with a lot of excessive inventory that wasn't selling that mm. they ended up eBaying or sending off to thrift stores. And I think, I think this was the one where they also sold their product largely in uh, shops in the area where their customers were going to be and then, yes. oh, I forgot a hat. Yes. And so they had, you know, gee, let's make this accessible when they need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they had some really good lessons. Yeah, but I think, you know, the one I'll, I'll just continue to iterate on this, and I think I've said this in other episodes, but I think it can be so exciting to want to get to production, to pull the trigger on production, to get the product, to get the boxes, to get the inventory but slow down yeah. and do the test. The slow build and the testing and the iterations up front will 10X your results in the end. Mm -hmm. um, I, I firmly believe in that. Have the patience to, to go through that process slowly and make sure the product is exactly what your customer wants and that you do test it sufficiently with the actual mm -hmm. end customer. And you may only need to make a few samples and yes, each sample might exceed what your finished product would sell for sure but you're not going like i said you're not going to end up with um, excessive inventory of yeah. things that aren't selling yeah 
Um, and that leads right into number six. Do you want to start start that one? This leads right into you know really get, you know when you're talking about making samples for your customer to test, get their feedback, engage in them, stay engaged with them because you want to find out what works for this. What do you like about this? Um, and I, people are really reluctant, I think, to give good, honest, critical feedback. So one of the best things to do is ask. Your, your customer or your potential customer, what do you like about this? Because they may say, I like the color, I like the fabric, it's made of sustainable uh, materials and I want to help uh, you know, the ecology of, of the world. Um, and then what would you do differently? Um, you know, asking them initially, well, what, what's, what do you not like about it may make them feel like they're on the spot and they may not be as open in their dialogue. So by asking them, what do you like about it? Because they usually will find something. And then what would you like that would be different? Maybe you want the sleeves different. Maybe you want, po the pockets seem to be a big thing for a lot of people. <laughs> um, and you know, if, if you come back with their feedback, make another sample, get their feedback again. And this goes back to um, one, probably one of my all-time favorite episodes, which is episode 12. And this is um, Colleen Monroe. Monroe, who does the flex trouser. With untucked. With untucked workwear. And this, the story that she tells in this episode, and if you haven't heard it, I highly recommend it, is she started off designing this pair of um, trousers that she wanted feedback on. And every time, you know, she had at least half a dozen of these prototypes. And when she finally got down to the point where, hey, you know what, I've, I've got it, I think I've nailed it, I'm going to you know, have a party, at that event she had um, the prototypes that were there. So you could see the evolution. The customer can appreciate the work, the consideration that went into it. That yeah. You really are listening to me. Sometimes customers love it when they feel like you're really designing for us. You're not just trying to shoehorn something in. Um, and I, I just, I think she just did a wonderful job on that, and yeah. showed that listening to the customer, you may not like what they say. They say. Um, it can be uh, uh, Heidi and I were talking earlier today. It can be a real gut punch to listen to some of this feedback, but you got the feedback, and sometimes the feedback is so invaluable as far as helping you come up with a better product, a better line, a better design. Yeah. Yeah, and just you know that continued engagement with your your customer and audience, um, and and again the episode that um, Robin mentioned, episode twelve. You know, I, I think you might be sitting here listening to this, thinking like, well, how am I engaging with my customer, my audience, when I don't have a customer audience? And Colleen actually talks very specifically in this episode about how she built an audience before she even had a product to sell so that she could engage with them and she could have them be part of the process to get their feedback during the design and development. Um, and then one sort of really specific thing I'll, I'll just kind of um, add on to what Robin said on this is, you know, think about the questions that you're asking and what type of answers those are, those are going to solicit. Um, asking, do you like this, is probably just going to solicit a, oh yeah, it's great. That answer doesn't do you anything. Um, what do you like about it? Oh, well, I love that the pocket's here, and I love that this thing is here, and oh, the waistband feels so nice, or whatever the detail is. You'll start to get specific feedback on things that you know exactly what it is that they like. And then mm -hmm. 
what could be better? You know, wh how could this be improved? Um, so really think about asking those open-ended questions that allow people to explore giving you feedback on a really constructive level instead of just, oh yeah, I love it, it's great. Um, and you're going to get a lot more valuable information to improve or make sure you keep certain things the same because maybe that's the thing they love. Make sure you keep that the same. Um, then just sort of, oh yeah, it's so great. Um, yeah, don't lose the things that, that they really like yeah. by trying to adapt it for something else. This is, this is, remember, this is business. This is your, your design line. This is your product. This isn't, you're giving somebody a wedding gift or a birthday gift or a Christmas <laughs> present and saying, you know, do you like it? You're investing in yourself as a fashion designer and yeah. this can be, sometimes painful it can also be great that when they say i really like this um this is what works and it may be tweaking that needs to be done uh, but like heidi said you also want to hold on to what do they really like about it and have them be specific and i think starting off by saying what do you like about it uh, and what would you like to see different it seems very non-confrontational mm -hmm. you may get a better response than asking what do you not like about it yeah yeah i think that's a great point um, well, awesome. Super fun to do another one of these podlets with you, Robin. Mm -hmm. And um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, she, Robin and I chat a lot and we start to notice these themes and these trends amongst all the, the episodes and just amongst doing business and working in fashion in general. And so the goal with some of these episodes is to really kind of highlight some of the high level um, uh, lessons that we that we see coming out of these, and then you know point them out and and bring them to your attention in sort of a different light, because um, sometimes it's a lot of content to absorb, and so hopefully kind of breaking them down in in this uh, granular way helps you guys um, see them and then be able to apply them to your own life or your own fashion brand or whatever it is that you're working on. So mm -hmm. thanks so much for for joining me again oh, here Heidi, in it's Denver. Always fun. always fun in person. Fun to do it in person. Yeah.